strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Grammy Award-winning artist Seal is headed to the Arizona Financial Theater on April 25th. Limited tickets are still available, but you could register to win a pair by going to the contest page at KTAR.com. So, uh... USA Today story got me thinking about this. And the story says, filing taxes, why your hair and nails should be written off as a business deduction. And it got me going down a road of some of the strange deductions. I have a 15-page story on the crazy deductions that are actually legal, 20 overlooked and unusual tax deductions you may be eligible for. And we'll get into some of these in a moment. But it, it got me thinking about our tax code and how difficult it is. And we hear from people saying they want to reform the tax code. Um If you remember, and I wish I had pulled this, but I didn't, um, when uh, President Trump was running and he was the nominee against Hillary Clinton and they had that big debate about Trump not paying his taxes, and Trump basically said, "I, I pay as little as possible because I'm smart. I use the system. That's how I know it's rigged. I, I, you know, I know how the game works, and I play the game very effectively. And the reason why the tax code doesn't change is because, and he pointed at Hillary Clinton and said, because her supporters and her donors use the same breaks that I use when they do their taxes. So, you know, it could have just as easily been pointed in the other direction. My point is, when both sides of the political aisle know that the very wealthy among them are whittling down how much they owe in taxes through legal means means in tax deductions, it's tough to change things. But if the average American wants to see fairness, the average American also has to understand it's not fair that the wealthy in this country pay the immense majority of taxes in this country. We have a weird system, and it it punishes wealth and success. Instead of all of us paying a percentage of what we earn to live here and the same percentage of what we earn to live here because we all should pay something – We pay on this weird sliding scale that actually increases in percentage when you have more wealth, and it certainly hasn't slowed down our debt. Let's be honest. We're still trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars in debt, and we are still taking in record revenue into the United States Treasury, but we've not slowed down the deficit spending. I would maintain that in our country, our nation does not have an income problem. Our nation, talking about the United States Treasury, it has a spending problem. That Congress has a spending problem. It's not the Treasury that has an income problem. And I know that sounds like a very simplistic look at things, but if you see the record amount of revenue that the Treasury takes in, then you factor in how much they actually allocate to spend. And then you look at that from a different angle and say, what about all the waste and redundancy? The American people should be upset. But largely what the American people get focused on are, okay, I got to do my taxes. This is how much I paid. What deductions can I take? Um, How much can I get back or am I going to owe? And it's strange to me that this continues to happen the way that it does. When you look at some of the deductions, 20 overlooked deductions, um, a guard dog, if your dog guards your business location, you may be able to deduct pet care costs. Size and breed are considered. And then you've got to keep a record of how much, how often that dog is guarding your business. So you can deduct your dog. If you run your business out of your house, I imagine you can also say that he guards the business because he guards the house or that guards the house because he guards the business. If you have a pest control cat, if it keeps your business location free from mice, you can deduct the food and the care cost for a cat. Um, 
service animals, uh, clarinet lessons for your children, summer sports camps, leftover wedding items. If you get married and you donate food and decorations and items from your wedding to charitable organizations, you can get a tax deduction for those donations. Paying wages to your kids. Listen to this one. If you pay your kids a fair wage, you can deduct it as a business expense from your business's income. This can also lower your income tax bracket. Bracket. Uh, home upgrades like energy-efficient windows, installing more insulation may make you eligible for a small tax credit. Uh, lifetime learning. The lifetime learning credit can provide up to $2,000 a year toward education expenses after high school. Um, state What you pay in state income taxes. Um, uh, swimming pools. If you have a, let's say you have arthritis. If your doctor says that a swimming regimen could help you immensely in easing the pain of arthritis, um, the expense of a pool could be deducted. Um, quitting smoking, pregnancy tests. The cost of a pregnancy test can be deducted even without a physician's administration. Uh, losing weight. If a doctor says you need to lose weight, sometimes in some programs, the cost of those programs could be deducted. I have so many others in this pile. But here's the deal. How many people, how many of you are going to save the receipts and document the things and you know you can get a per mile credit for driving to work and all these other things if you work, if you travel for business, but unless the vehicle that you're using is 100% used for business, you have to keep a logbook of the miles that were driven, and then you can deduct a per mile count, and, and so much money per mile you can be uh, can use as a deduction. We have all of these ways where we set a high percentage standard for people to pay taxes. And then we have ways for them, if they are very meticulous, to weasel those things down so you don't have to pay as much. Then you hire an accountant to go over those list of things with you and your documentation of the things you've done, charitable contributions, business dinners and expenses, clothing. So for me, I speak in public quite a bit. I should be able to, if I go out and buy new clothes, use my clothes as a business deduction. Haircuts, which I need less and less often at this age, can be deducted. Makeup. If I were to, if I, and I don't, when I go on television, they apply the makeup. But I know people in television here locally that do their own makeup. Those expenses are deductible because they're business expenses. So you have all of this stuff that you have to keep track of. Instead of us saying, why don't we simplify this tax code so everybody pays a fair amount? I mean, that to me sounds like the most reasonable thing to do. Money in, money out. Whatever you make, on your form, when you get your tax form that says this year, this is how much money before taxes that you've already paid in, this is how much income you had. Are there deductions for children or whatever there might be, but there would be such a limit to the deduction, it would be a one-page form for people. This is what you made this year. This is what you paid this year. Here's the amount you owe or here's the amount of your refund. And we could simplify that code pretty easily, but I doubt it's ever going to happen. It's taken decades and decades and decades to get this huge tax code in place. I would imagine reversing it can't be done overnight. But at what point do the American people, all of the American people say we just want a more simple system? 
and today's tax day. So I, I'm anxious to see what people say in the end about this, especially since a lot of Americans are going to see a much smaller refund or actually owe money this year because the COVID money is dried up. In a moment, the LAPD has lost almost 1,000 officers. How can we learn from this? We'll talk about that coming up in a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, happy Tuesday. Thanks for being here. Um... Trying to learn lessons from other places and other people or something we'd hope to do for our children. We probably did do it ourselves. I know I was one of them that didn't listen to advice. But let's take a look at the LAPD. Lost nearly 1,000 officers. Now the mayor, Karen Bass, wants to rebuild the force. Um, uh, Ten years ago, the LAPD reached a hiring milestone, hiring 10,000 officers. Within a three-year span, LA those gains have been erased. The LAPD is hemorrhaging officers with more leaving the force than are joining it. Police Chief Michael Moore reported last week that sworn staff had fallen to 9,103, down nearly 1,000 from 2019. So the mayor is looking at this. I know that this is ambitious, but I think it needs to happen. Um, there's a lot more that has to happen. It isn't just money, and I think this is proving my th- theory to be true, um, that it's never just about money. And here's what I mean. Uh, If you saw recently, Jalen Hurts was just given the biggest contract in the NFL history for guaranteed money. He is the highest paid player ever in the NFL. He was negotiating for more. His agent was negotiating for more. Um, whoever you are, wherever you are, if you're an employee for someone else, you believe that you're probably worth more than you're making. Maybe not a lot more, but you always think, you know, I could be doing a little better. I'd like a raise. I deserve more money. But you stay where you are because you love where you are or you leave because you hate it. Um, the way you're treated, and a lot of this has to do with policing. The job of policing has always been one of pride. I would say anybody in public safety does the job because of the pride of the work. Um, I've been rewatching the the first uh, the, the the NYPD Blue series, which I think is my favorite uh, series ever on television. And every time somebody retires. Um, they do a toast, and he always says, this is to the guy, whoever the guy is that invented this job. And it is because they just love police work. But when either the bosses you work for are a nightmare and they treat you badly or the atmosphere in which you work is a nightmare, that's what drives people away. From the teaching profession, it is about money. But I also think there's a large number of teachers that leave the profession because they are just not respected in the classroom and nobody's doing anything about these smart mouth kids and the way that teachers are treated. They don't feel safe. When it comes to policing, I think law enforcement officers are just tired. You know, you work in an industry where your family is stressed out every time you go to work. 
you know, uh, your wife or your husband is concerned, your children are concerned that you might not come home. Every time there's a news story that says an officer's been injured in the line of duty or killed in the line of duty, families are freaked out and should be. Um, you have a high-stress job where all of the worst things that people can do to each other, you're witnessing. You are walking into situations where parents are doing horrible things to their children. Children are doing horrible things to their parents. Neighbors are killing each other over nothing, and you're a part of it. You're witnessing it. You're dealing with it every single day, and it adds up, and it builds up, and then when you take away the respect factor of the job, that's another part of it, and I think in our communities, I think here in Phoenix especially, we see a difference in attitude. We now have a former um, assistant police chief that is on the city council. I think that may change part of the attitudes on the council. Uh, One very vocal anti-cop council member is gone. He lost in a runoff election. I think that's going to change the attitude of the council. I've heard the mayor say publicly on a number of occasions, and I just saw her very recently speaking at the Phoenix Police Reserve uh, Awards Dinner, saying that we never have, we never will defund the police in the city of Phoenix. That goes a long way into officer retention. But how do we attract good officers into our communities? Because here is an example of the other side of what happens when you don't. Um, in the uh, outdoor retailer REI, and many of you know who REI is, very major outdoor uh Retailer in an area where the outdoor lifestyle, camping, hunting, fishing, hiking, is a big part of it in Portland, Oregon. Uh, REI is leaving because of crime. Last year, REI Portland had its highest number of break-ins and thefts in two decades, despite actions to provide extra security. Uh, The safety of our employees, members, and customers is always our number one priority. In recent years, Portland has been dealing with increased crime in our neighborhood and beyond. In addition, we have outgrown our current space, and the building requires significant investment to address the issues, uh, to reach the agreement with the landlord. As a result, we are not able to provide the level of customer and employee experience we strive for at REI. The cause and effect of not having strong policing is being felt. Um, when you look at the zone, you just I, I'm sure you heard this morning as uh, Arizona's Morning News had the story about the sub shop owner in the zone or near the zone and how people don't feel safe. And um, we know that that is because the city, I think, mistakenly um, read the what the legal decision was by the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, and they weren't enforcing the laws at the zone. We're talking about drug laws, crime laws, prostitution, um, uh, public intoxication, relieving yourself in public. And I think that's what leads to an increase in these incidents. We have got to have law in order. And people have to understand when you break the law, you pay a price. And until we are at levels like we were before, we're not going to have the cities we want. In a moment, huge numbers of voters are registering as independents, but are they voting that way? We'll talk about it next. It's a big job just getting by with nine kids and a wife. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Long my two hands are fit to use. I'll drink my beer in a tavern, sing a little bit of these working man blues. Hey, thanks for being here. 
Tax Day. We're going to talk a little bit more about that later, but uh, my heart's always with the working man and women. So um, this is an interesting study, and more and more people, especially younger voters, engaged voters, are registering as independents. I don't believe they vote independently. They still vote along party lines. They still hold on to their principles of what they truly believe in. But what they don't want to do is get involved in party politics. Here's just a little bit from this story. The percentage of Americans identifying as independent in Gallup polling has by one measure remained steady over the past few years. January, February of 21, it was 50% said they were independent. Right now it's at 49. Um, by, uh, so what we're seeing in this, these numbers, and I think there's lessons here for people. I talked about this earlier. Um, I am guilty of this, or at least I have been in the past. I've tried to change it quite a bit. Is we get involved in our own little language. And what I mean by that is even in this industry, I'll give you an example in this industry. The first time uh, I sat down in a radio studio to do a radio show by myself, not as a guest, but as a host, the uh, the, the technical direction, director, the person behind the glass that made sure the commercials played and the buttons got pushed and did everything said to me, OK, you've got floating breaks at 15 and 45. Bottom of the hour, you got a hard break at 2830 and you have to hit the post at 5850 because we go to national news. And I looked glassy eyed at him and said, I have no idea what you just said. And you probably don't either. What's a floating break? What's a hard break? What's the post? What does that mean? Everybody in every industry has their own little language. For me as an electrician, we had industry terms for things that a lot of people have no idea what we were talking about. Police officers, cops have cop talk. I talked about that earlier. Well, when it comes to politics, we get involved in a partisan language. MAGA Republicans, Rhino Republicans, uh, right-wing conspiracy theorists, and all of these different identifiers within our group. Democrats do it. Republicans do it. And you alienate people. There are people out there that are as invested and involved as you are in their minds and in their hearts with what's going on and what's happening. What they don't want is to be shut out. And here's the other problem you get. If you've ever been involved in a church, there are two kinds of churches, in my opinion, a growing church and a dying church. And a growing church looks outside of its four walls and looks into the community around them and they say, how do we reach out to this community and serve this community? Welcoming new people through their doors with open arms and saying, hey, we are glad you're here. Thanks for stopping in. Come join us. Come sit with us. We'd love to meet you. We'd love to hang out. We'd love to talk to you. There are other churches that don't want to grow. They don't like the idea of new people because they're going to upset what we like to do. As a matter of fact, I don't want to walk in next Sunday and have some new person that doesn't understand that that's my seat. And it's been my seat for 10 years. And I don't want to have to come in and explain to someone that that's my seat or go sit somewhere else. God forbid I sit in another place in the church. Two different mindsets. It's the same thing in our political world. We have these clubs, which are terrific. I speak at a lot of them on the Republican side of things. And many of them are trying to grow and trying to bring in new people. And some of them just want nothing to do with it. They like the status quo. They like the way things are. They talk in their own little language. And they just don't want to invite anybody that has a different idea into their group. When you look at the demographics of voters and how they're changing, the political parties are not dying. They're killing themselves. The principles of the Democratic Party are still 
very good ideas to the people that think like you. Republicans, the ideals of the Republican Party are still attractive to people that believe like you do. They don't like you. And I'm being as kind as I can be to both parties. They don't like the way you behave. They don't like the anger. They don't like the vitriol. I interview people all the time that are elected officials, and if you're a Democrat, the first thing you do is you talk about how horrible the Republicans are, and you name – not their by name, but the party um, – this right-wing agenda. If you're a Republican, you talk about the left-wing agenda, and it, it alienates people. The best people we've ever had in leadership when it comes to politics have been people that have transcended the party politics. No doubt where they stood within their party. Ronald Reagan, let's talk about the great communicator. I've been posting videos of his most recently where he says things that the American people can respond to. He, I just, I just watched another clip of a speech of his where he talked about um, how lucky we are. People say how lucky you are to be from here. And the the issue he talked about was, no, that's not true. The person that came from another country had America to come to. But if we lose freedom here in America, if we give up the opportunity at freedom here, where do Americans escape to? That we are the last bastion of freedom. We are the world's last best hope for freedom. Reagan wasn't saying that to Republicans. He was saying that to Americans. Now, when he got in Republican rooms, he could preach to the choir with the best of them. When Barack Obama won the election in 08, he won the election over John McCain with a with a vision of hope and change. And it was a it was a vision that was just not going to be overcome. If you look at that race, and all due respect to the former president, John McCain was a far more equipped candidate for what the world was facing in the minds of some. When it came to the economy, maybe not as much because they talked about the Bush economy, but certainly in foreign affairs and two wars and all the other things that were going on. But Barack Obama was able to convey a message to Americans. He didn't just talk to Democrats. He talked to Americans. And when we see people go into rooms and they speak to their group and the language that they understand and the other people in attendance that don't speak that language, they don't get it. You know, when I go and I speak um, in rooms full of cops all the time, but I don't speak cop speak. I don't. I don't understand a lot of the language except for the very big terminologies. But they have three-letter acronyms. Sometimes they're four-letter acronyms. Sometimes you say the letters. Sometimes the letters form a word. Uh, ACTIC is one of them. Um, And sometimes you say PSB, Professional Standards Bureau. Um, And then they have their 10 codes and and the signal languages. And they talk in those languages. And if you're in a room full of cops, you are an outsider. And it's very obvious if they're doing that. It's not a bad thing, but if it's an event where they're welcoming people in, they don't do that because they understand if you're going to get up in front of a room full of people as an officer or as a leadership in a police department and you're going to speak to the general public, the police chief and the PIOs might say inside their cop circle and speak in cop speak. But when they speak to the general public about a situation, they don't use those codes anymore because they understand the general public doesn't understand those codes. That's not how they speak. We have a huge number of young voters that are just registering to vote now, and they are registering in huge numbers as independents. And if the political parties do not take this into consideration, they are going to kill themselves. 
and I'm, I'm anxious to see which party does it first and which one does it best. In a moment, we're going to talk about the transgender culture war, another edition of this. Is this about beer cans or is this about something deeper? We'll get to it coming up in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. A very interesting uh, dichotomy and and opposing positions on the transgender issue in America. Um, I will tell you, I have a bit of a personal perspective on this, having watched my nieces play girls sports growing up. And we have come from such an athletic family. My brother was a superstar athlete when he was in high school and college. And so his kids were naturally athletic. His his youngest is his son. He has two daughters that are older and then a son. And uh, they live to watch their kids and, and for what their kids are involved in. My my oldest niece is a barrel racer now. She's learning from someone that was top 10 in the world last year. Um, my middle niece was a phenomenal soccer and basketball player in high school. And she's now in college not playing sports. And the youngest is a freshman in high school and a varsity basketball player as a freshman. And so we've watched athletics and I've coached athletics my entire life. And uh, to watch women now have to fight to not have to it's so funny to say biological male and and I don't mean any insult to this if you want to live as a woman you have a right to live as a woman and I believe that to be true you can live as anything that makes you happy no problem with it but when you try to say I am a woman then people have an issue with it and it should not be that I'm a bigot for saying that so I think this is where it goes much deeper with the Bud Light beer cans and the other stuff that's going on because many people reasonable people that don't want a confrontation feel as if we've been dealing with this all of our lives and it's never been an issue and now all of a sudden it's become the issue i went down this list last week and i'm going to go down the list again I'm going to start with the movies. When I was younger in the 1970s, Al Pacino did a movie called Dog Day Afternoon. If you haven't seen it, I own it. I I bought a digital copy of it from uh, Amazon Prime. I love that movie so much. Al Pacino plays a guy who robs a bank with his buddy. You find out in the movie that he robbed the bank and he gets caught. By the way, he's in the bank. I'm not giving anything away. He's in the bank throughout most of the movie. But you find out that the reason why he robbed the bank, you know, he's married with two children because his boyfriend is going through the transition to become a woman and he wants to pay for the sex change surgery. This was one of the biggest movies in the 1970s. So this isn't a new topic of discussion. I've talked about David Bowie and Ziggy Stardust. We've talked about Elton John. We've talked about George Michael. We've talked about all of these performers, Boy George and the Culture Club, all of these people, Ricky Martin. No one cared. No one cares. No one cares. Boy George dressed in drag in every performance. Heavy makeup um, and, you know, just was one of those. They used to call them gender benders back then. He was kind of a little bit of both. Nobody cared. Here we are today, though, and we are being told everything has to change. And this is where the problem lies. Parents are sitting back saying there's no way. I watched a video of a father say, listen, I won't let one of my sons rough up my daughter. I'm not going to let your sons rough up, rough up my daughter. If you're a male. 
You can live as a female if you want to, but you've got no business disrupting women's sports. And that's a reasonable conversation. Even if you disagree with it, it's a reasonable point of view. So this transgender question and conversation that's going on isn't new for all of you Gen Zers or whatever the latest generation of adult is. For those of you, if you think you're fighting a fight for the first time, you are so wrong on every single level. This has been going on my entire life and no one cares. In the end, most reasonable people have a life of their own and they don't have the time to worry about yours. But when you say I am a woman and you're not, then there is a point there where people say, wait a minute, hang on. You want to change your birth certificate? You want you want to force me to call you miss or missus or whatever pronoun you choose? And if I don't address you by the pronouns you say I have to, then all of a sudden my First Amendment ends and I'm going to be in trouble legally. And worse yet, you've got all of these young women who are growing up playing sports and all of a sudden you've got boys who identify as girls dominating those sports. And for anybody that says it's not happening, it absolutely is. There is the other side of this opinion very quickly. A Democrat representative, Jim McGovern, said that he thinks this is weird um, and he thought it was creepy saying that this issue didn't come up at all while he was home. Well, if it didn't come up with him at all, it's because he lives in, under a rock or something because everybody is still talking about this. Everyone has an opinion on this. And the issue is you cannot change the biology. You want to live as a woman, I'm, I'm happy for you. I really am. If you want to go and do what Caitlyn Jenner did and go all the way through the transition, I understand that. But you can't say you're a woman when you aren't. And you can't say you're a man when you aren't. Men can't get pregnant. I know I'm going to get in trouble for saying all these things, but these are biological facts and we can have a conversation. But don't shout me down. Shouting me down is not fair to me either. We're going to talk about uh, District 13 coming up here in just a moment. Stick around.